Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Welsh, and today we have Jake Seeley, Brandon Funson for Week 3 Ranks. We're going to be battling them all against each other. Yes, we will cherry-pick every single rank that Jake has been picked on, that Brandon has been battling and fighting, and we are going to uh, expose them all and make everybody mad. No, we'll just talk about the ranks. We'll actually just get through the ranks, and we'll help people out this week. Mr. Jake Seeley, was your rank week three sheet over on the athletic that people can get right now the most chaotic that you've seen in quite a while like we predicted or was it a little bit more tame no it's pretty much still as of today because joked about it on monday and with other shows too it's a lot of if and and but statements like it should be an excel spreadsheet because still today as right now thursday middle day james connor alvin Kamara, if ifs if if dobbins is ifs like they're just ifs that's just running back yeah, there's a lot of that. But I mean, m- more than the ifs, I'm looking at like the question section, the comment section. How's that? Uh, how's that? Oh, that's you? normal. That's normal. You're like, <laughs> like, 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 this is actually block like, here, little block there, little. Uh, you Mutombo. can't block. You can't block comments. <laughs> I, I, I mutombo in my mind. You can't do that on the website though. <laughs> It'd be nice. That's if the I next could. feature. I was about to say that'll yeah. be the next feature. Though, the added, the next added feature. Yeah. <laughs> that can only be the hope. Mr. I'm Redford, willing. I'm willing to bet that Jake does more than a mutombo in his mind. I bet you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think you're got gonna some Game of Thrones bet. type fantasies going on there. I think you're gonna cash that bet, Brandon. How has the preparation for Week Three gone? As we're gonna dig into these, do you feel more confident after two weeks of, of uh, you know, just searching through and understanding what's going around the NFL? Or do you think there's even more questions going into week three and how we're going to be putting our ranks together? Yeah. You know, I always used to say that the, like three weeks was a good, was a good kind of foundational place to jump off from. I think we're, we're so far Before away from or after, after week three, like, okay. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I'm not sure we're going to get there in week three. I think, you know, normally that's, that feels like the right time after three weeks. I think we might need more than that. And we're, we're getting a lot of vacillating, a lot of like things going on from one week to the other with teams where you're like, you think you know what's going on. And then next week, you know, they pull the rug out from under you and they do something completely different. I think that's kind of where we're at. So if we get some some decent dust settling after week three in terms of wh- how the how the landscape's going to look going forward, I'll be pretty surprised because I think we're a long way from that still. I agree. And kind of uh, toying with the idea of the injuries at the beginning, that's kind of the headline to this is there's a massive amount of ifs and buts, question marks around players and on two camps. So I'm just going to rattle through. These are a few of the biggest, most impactful injuries that we're kind of uh, tackling right now. And as of uh, you know Wednesday, Thursday, these guys still necessarily not doing anything big. James Conner was a DNP on Wednesday, though there is some hope he did some 
Apparently he did some light, light work on the side that wasn't considered limited, but he was still out there. Chris Godwin, DMP on Wednesday. Julio did not practice, though. He had a limited session on Tuesday. Hunter Renfro, we haven't even seen after the concussion and the fumbles. George Kittle had a very limited practice on Wednesday. So the question is, and Brandon, we'll start with you, expectations on any of these players, these specific guys right here. We've got another section for it, but do you have expectations either negative or positive on this front? We haven't, we haven't seen Kittle. We uh, really haven't. We, I know we saw Godwin in week one, but then that, you know, fell apart. James Conner leaves a big question mark as far as what that running game goes. Do you have a take positively or negatively on these big, big injuries that we're waiting for some uh, resolution on? Yeah, I don't. I guess my expectation in, in Tampa is they're going to be without Godwin again. And if Julio Jones is in this gray area, just I think you just at this point in his career, you have to just count him out. So uh, he's too much. He's too much. The precedent's been set that even if he does go out and play, we can see him walking off the field in the middle of the game. So you're looking at is Brashad Perryman, the legitimately only truly healthy guy in that in that Buccaneer stable of, of kind of, you know, quote unquote regulars. Maybe Russell Gage plays as well, but Scotty Miller, they're all questionable, and, and Perryman's the only one doesn't have any kind of an injury tag. So uh, we could come down to it. I mean, Brashad Perryman could be truly looking like the, the number one target there. One thing I'll say on George Kittle, if he plays, um, don't think that it's going to be limited. I was just looking. I mean, I, I was like, you know, George Kittle, I, I remember thinking, oh, he's been out for a while. You might want to be a little bit leery about him coming back and playing. The last couple of years, he's come out and showed out right away. The first game after a long layoff, so there's there's you know there's some history to that as well. So if he's out there, don't even hesitate. I mean, the tight end landscape's bad enough that no one's going to hesitate if George yeah. is <laughs> active anyway. <laughs> yeah, but, Gerald Everett, it's Gerald yeah. Everett season. You know, one thing I would point out, uh, I didn't want to jump on it, but I do believe Prashad Perriman was also like in a limited practice on Wednesday, <laughs> so he had a little bit of that. So they're all. They also signed Cole Beasley, so that will be just a fun. Oh yeah, mess that's if right. We Forgot get about that. that. Yeah, they got Cole Beasley on the practice squad. It might be a Russell Gage. Uh, Scotty Miller day, but you know, what do we really uh, have any expectations as far as the offense goes? And that's probably a bigger question about how Brady and that entire offense performs. Jake, kind of same question. Are any of these guys really positively or really negatively uh, affecting you or you're considering or, or focusing on, especially the James, I'm curious at your take on the James Connor one and how you're treating that versus like Daryl Williams and Eno Benjamin. Well, we just got actually while we're recording this live, uh, the James James Connors at practice today. So there you go, return to practice, including uh, news with Rondell Moore sideline. So we got those both of us are doing this. So it sounds like James Connors should be okay. I uh, still consider him risky. I'd probably put him more in the Ezekiel Elliott range versus being a fringe RB one in case he aggravates it, comes out early. They just seed some of the touches just to keep him healthy if he's out there. So that would be my concern with that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect Godwin, Julio Jones. Uh, I mean, if he's out there, I, I, where I go with Funston and agree with is the fact is like if he's actually out there, I, I don't expect them to be like, oh, we're going to play Julio Jones on a pitch count. Like it would just be like, let's play Julio Jones or not play Julio Jones. There's not like this middle ground type of situation. So I'm interested in that. I don't really want to play Perriman, but uh, the Julio Jones not being out there would make him intriguing. I think the safest one, though, is Russell Gage. I mentioned this on All in Football, and I said the process was right. The result was half right. Gage got the targets and the receptions. It's just the yards were trash. It's just, but the, the, so the, the, the targets and the options are still there for Russell Gage. It's just, I would expect a better game this week. So on the uh, opposite end, kind of in tow with what you just mentioned with James Conner, there are some injuries that have had some positive turns. 
Keenan Allen, he did individual drills on Wednesday. Alvin Kamara practiced in full on Wednesday, which was or practiced on Wednesday. I don't want to say it was in full. J.K. Dobbins was at practice. They've uh, mentioned him as week to week, but he was in a full practice on Wednesday. So this question, Jake, goes to you. Assuming these are all you know great things, Keenan Allen, Kamara, Dobbins, even throwing out because you just kind of mentioned it with James Conner. What is your level of trust going to be in Allen, Kamara, Dobbins if they were all active? Are you going to assume if Allen plays, he's a full go? Is Kamara going to be really, really trustworthy with the usage and a little bit banged up? Like, are you going to be full bore with all three of these guys if active? Uh, the first two, uh, the Keenan Allen and Alvin Kamara, because they have options that they could turn to. They don't have to force them out there. <laughs> the J.K. Dobbins, no, is he's, he's going to come along slowly. I, I know that Fonson always references Virginia Sackis, and for good reason, over at Inside Entry, she does a lot of work for us. It, go back a month, month and a half ago, and she was saying that, hey, you know, this isn't potentially ready for week one, let alone potentially past that. A potentially a third part of the potentially is that we don't even see the real J.K. Dobbins till next year, till 2023. So whether or not J.K. Dobbins gets out there and then even is 100% of himself or even 100% of his workload, I mean, there, there's a lot of ifs with him. Okay, so uh, the first two, I'm not that concerned about. I'm, if Keenan Allen's playing, I'm playing him. If Alvin Kamara's playing, I'm playing him. Then I'm playing James Conner, too. Maybe not as high as I would have all three normally, but who, again, go back to what Fonson said with Kittle. Like, who are you benching him for? Like, seriously, who are you going to bench these guys for? The J.K. Dobbins, I don't want to I don't want to put him out there until I absolutely have to. He's probably going to be the best option, but that's only by default because the other three are trash. Yeah, and I'm I'm unfortunately going to be facing this J.K. Dobbins situation. It's going to be a big burn for me. Uh, same thing, Brandon. Do you feel the same way about these three guys? Is it uh, full bore for Kamara and Allen, regardless of other options? You you trust it, and Dobbins is a big old question mark. Yeah, I think I'll have. I mean, I have Kamara ranked in the mid teens, so and that's assuming he's playing. So that's kind of where I feel about him, even even if he's playing. So I I suppose you have first world problems where you could find a way to not have Kamara in your lineup if you do have if he is playing but um but I, I agree with Jake and I'm glad he re- referenced Virginia because she's been nailing this JK Dobbins stuff a long time ago and saying maybe you won't see him in September be slow in October and we might see some semblance of the real JK Dobbins in the second half of the season so right now she's been right on and all that stuff you know you start to you start to doubt yourself, doubt the the information when they start talking at the end of preseason about Dobbins as being out there, and they think he's gonna be ready to go for week one. But you know, when push comes to shove, Virginia was absolutely right. The injury is the injury that they have, you know, lots of research done on it, and and Dobbins is is in fact human, so he is going through, you know, what what it takes for the rehab process. I like that you cited your ranks because one thing I feel like it's kind of a loss and I don't know how people consume ranks in general. You might just consume one person like Jake's over at the athletic. You check out the article. That's all you care about. You might go to a place like fantasy pros, which has got like consensus stuff. And when you, when you start to look at a whole bunch, I feel like there's a lot of hedging. So that's why I was curious when you said, well, I put him here. Cause this is what I assume. I feel like more people than not hedge their ranks early on with Camaro where they're like, well, I don't know if he's going to play. He might play. So I'm just kind of put him here and we'll see what happens. So it's like, all right, well, if he's active now, where would you put him? I feel like most people don't actually stick. So if people are paying attention to early ranks, 
with those fringy type of players, I don't feel like they actually stick to the rank you see early in the week because it's like, well, now if he's active, he's here. And that was really my main question with Kamara. It's like, are we going to trust him if he's active? Because also the usage hasn't really been that great. Mark Ingram kind of looked good last week. They gave Tony Jones a whole bunch of snaps. I wonder if they would just kind of put him on a little bit of a pitch count, maybe more than Allen. But Yeah, I did the same thing with Allen. I ranked him like he's playing. I think I have him 13th or something. So it's funny when you ask us, like, who are the receiver that you like a little bit more than everybody else? And I go and I look on Fantasy Pros at who I have ranked higher. Well, Keenan Allen's still at, like, 72. No one's ranking him like he's playing. Yeah. But I'm not going to put him at 30, like, ha- halfway, you yeah, know? like too. But to your point, I'm not putting him at 30. If he's in, he's in my, you know, he's in my top 15. If he's out, then obviously he's way down the list. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Me and Jay, we're like, we both did. So but apparently we didn't affect the consensus ranks, but I might have been published. So they're out there. I don't know. All right. So let's talk about those week three ranks, uh, piecing together some of these pieces. Obviously, we're not going to go numerically, but we can talk about some of our favorite guys for the week. And we'll start with quarterbacks. Just like last week, it's a quarterback that I love that you don't. Jake Seeley is a quarterback that you love that everybody else does not. I mean, maybe they do because if they've been using them, I don't know how you used them in the first week, but maybe you used them in the second week because you're like, what the hell ever? I'll just go ahead and do it. Uh, Joe Flacco, I mean, until Zach Wilson's under center, Joe Flacco is just going to continue to throw the ball a billion times just like Carson Wentz. Honestly, you could sit here and say, What's the difference between Joe Flacco and Carson Wentz so far? They're like, yeah, Carson Wentz has slightly better numbers, but I'm pretty sure they're back to back at most sites, uh, NFL, ESPN, and so forth, because Joe Flacco's just tossing it, tossing it, tossing it, tossing it. The Jets defense isn't that great. So I don't know why really things are going to change. I, I, I said this to Pat. They're playing Cincinnati, a little bit tougher defense. Cincinnati hopefully gets on track and can kind of make this a shootout. But And I don't know if I could do this with my own team. But if you took the names off the jerseys, as I always love to say, you could sit there and say with your fantasy team, you should play Joe Flacco over Tom Brady. That's a tough trigger to pull. But, I mean, the, the, the argument is there so far through the first two weeks. Interesting thing here. Um, so on fantasy finishes, I just pulled this up. This is just on fantasy pro stuff. It's an easy thing to find. As far as fantasy finishes go through the first two weeks, Carson Wentz and Joe Flacco are both inside the top 10. Wentz has a little bit of, a, of an edge. So he's like in the top five and Flacco is still inside the top 10. But let's not focus on that. Let's focus. They're both top 10 quarterbacks. Now you want to go over to consensus ranks for this week. Carson Wentz on Fantasy Pros is the 13th quarterback. Joe Flacco, the 26th. So, I mean, you do like Joe Flacco, I think, quite a bit more than maybe the other people. And he's... Nobody you know, wants to play him. No one wants to play him, but he is going to sling the ball. Uh, Brandon, 
quarterback that you love that everybody else doesn't? Um, this is kind of sort of because I really dislike some quarterbacks that normally are higher than Derek Carr, but I have Derek Carr eighth, uh, and, and I reference that in that like I, I don't like Aaron Rodgers this week at Tampa. I don't like Tom Brady because you know all of his receivers are hurt. Um, I don't like Russell Wilson going up against San Francisco. And I look at Derek Carr, and he's you know he's averaging 39 pass attempts per game. He's top 10 in yards and attempts, and you know he's been two touchdowns in each game. I love his weapons. I think this Tennessee game. I think Tennessee, they are Tennessee is the underdog. I actually think Tennessee is going to win this game, but this feels like one of those games that could get you into the both teams in the high 20s to to low 30s. Uh, so I just expect this to be more of an offensive display between these two teams. Than a, than a defensive kind of slog. So uh, I, I like where this game can go for Derek Carr. And I, I feel like he's like unanimously been on every single one of these we've done. Like he's always on this list because he's that fringy guy of like anywhere between 14 or 15, but he could perform at like top eight, top seven, something like that. You need Devonta Adams to get going. Uh, the guy I've got is Tua, Tua Tomaola on this one. I know it's a bad matchup this week as far as like the Buffalo defense is what it looks like. I believe he's ranked 15th on uh, the list and actually exactly what you said, Brandon is how I feel. There's a lot of quarterbacks. I don't like this week. I don't like Aaron Rodgers Well, I really don't like Tom Brady. And there's so much that I don't that the, the weapons in Miami just look so explosive. And really, if you watch the Buffalo games, I just don't think Buffalo has played teams that are representative of a dominant defense. Like Tennessee had a first really good drive and they fell apart. That Rams week one just was not the same team that they are today. And I think that was representative of like how bad preseason time was missed and how the performance was. So I, regardless of it being like a good defensive matchup, really like to, I think Waddle and Hill spread the ball so much for him to get going. I've got him as a top 12 quarterback this week. So I like him quite a bit more, I think than other people. Let's move over to the running backs and we'll start with you, Brandon, Brandon uh, running backs. You love more than others or slash a sleeper to perform this week. However you want to coax it up. What do you got? Uh, well, I stole one off of your list because you, you put two guys down. And I was like, you can't have two guys. One of those <laughs> I thought guys I, could have one. A, I could have like two or three. I can't apparently. <laughs> and I might have used Naheem Hines last week, um, but I think he had four catches in like 36 yards last week after like five catches and 50 the, in week one. And if ever there was a week where he might, you know, surpass those numbers, it's against Kansas City. I think we've, we're all finding that Indianapolis is a much worse team than we thought they were going to be. But, you know, not scoring against Jacksonville, they, they're going to have to throw the football in this game. And Naheem, we'll see, you know, we'll see how healthy Michael Pittman is. He could certainly help. But I just think Naheem Hines, this is set up. Kansas City in the Andy Reid era, like, is always, always generous to running backs in the passing game on a defensive side. Um, and they, that's showed out again this year. But I think this could be a six-plus catch game for Naheem Hines. I think I mentioned last week that he always has these random spikes. All right, you got serviceable numbers last week. I thought maybe it would be the spike, but uh, this I'm gonna I'm gonna double down on that. I'm just going to say okay, let, let's let's give give us. I think we're gonna get a little bit more Naheem Hines this week. I agree. And uh, to be honest with you, the player the the reason I put him on there is because I have a little bit of a higher name and I wanted to hedge myself, so I'm not picking some <laughs> RB two. So I had him on here, but I agree with all of that. If they're playing from behind. Naheem Hines could get the, and I mean, I, I would hope that the Colts are going to fix this, but it's amazing with how they can get behind. And then they're just like, yeah, we got Jonathan Taylor, but we don't need to throw it. Like they had 10 touches with him last week. Like maybe throw some screen passes and let him so do something in the open field. They didn't do that 
probably going to do that this week, but it's not going to take away from Naheem Hines. Uh, Jake, same question here. Running back you like more than others or really kind of seen as like your sleeper of the week? Foss is freaking Charlton Heston, man. I'm going to pry <laughs> Naheem Hines from my cold, dead hands over here. Like, just, <laughs> freaking all the time. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going with Devin Singletary mostly because I felt for two reasons is that it looks like I'm a little bit higher than most, but also I've been very anti Bills backfield basically ever since Josh Allen became a thing two years ago. And I continue to say, I don't want anything to do with it. And we, this preseason, everybody's like, oh, I'll be fine. I'll be Singletary now, James Cook. And like, James Cook's not even involved. It's Zach Moss time again. And this is exactly why, because you're still ceding so much to Josh Allen. The same as Cam Newton, which I always drew the parallel to. And I said, Cam Newton was fine with Christian McCaffrey, but that was because Christian McCaffrey was nobody else he was contending with. Singletary is still contending with Zach Moss. And at times, hmm, little so, but James Cook. But I will say, uh, the Ravens running backs didn't do a ton against Miami. And yes, a lot of Lamar Jackson's run came on that one giant 79 yard house call. Um, but at the same time, you look at what Damian Harris did in week one, they're like, they're very vulnerable to the run, especially up the middle. Not that I think that Singletary is a beast between the tackles, but if you're looking for a week where you can start Singletary and feel somewhat confident as him finishing as an RB2 versus the risk of him flooring out as like a RB4, I think this is the week in the matchup where you can feel good about it. Yeah, can I just minute. jump in on Singletary? I just Because I'm with Jay. I mean, like every every touch from Zach Moss is a wasted touch. But <laughs> but here's here's the thing. And, and, and like Singletary just looks way better than everybody in that backfield. But here's the thing. I wonder how much of this has to do with Buffalo's just housing people. Last year, we saw them really lean on him down the stretch. And I wonder if they're just like, okay, whenever we have a game where we're just coasting, we're not going to lean on Singletary too much. And we'll use him more when, when the times, you know, when we have some contention here. So this could be one of those weeks. I think Miami could actually keep it close. I like the idea of that. Uh, Zach Moss is celery. He's empty calories. That's how we're going <laughs> to go he's with him. Parsley. Forward. Parsley. You don't even think <laughs> about eating. Yeah, just push it off to the side. (laughs) Get this decoration (laughs) off my plate. (laughs) Uh, By the way, on the Singletary front, Jake, you've got Singletary over some some solid names. I mean, Daryl Henderson, Michael Carter, Tony Pollard, uh, Brees Hall, all those guys. I mean, that's the comfort level people are really trying to understand. Split, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, The player that I have got this week, so like I mentioned, I've got a a higher-named player, but I do like him quite a bit more than everybody else is I've got Jeffrey Wilson Jr. And that's why I did hedge with Naheem Hines. And it's it's obvious for like all the reasons. I mean, I was I was wrong about Debo getting the main front of the carries, and they really, really trusted Jeff Wilson Jr. early. I also think the 49ers are going to put you. it to the Denver. Yeah, no, you're right. I think they're going to put it to the Denver Broncos, <laughs> which is also going to put them in a position where they are going to be ahead. Denver's, I don't care what any of the stats say, Denver's defense does not look good, and it's made worse their offense and they're going up against Denver the best defense in the NFL currently which is also a little inflated because that uh, Bears game but they got nobody Price is out they saw who did they just uh, Tevin Coleman they just put onto the practice squad they're probably going to bring up Marlon Mack he's not going to get anything Debo will get a few more carries but they gave 18 carries to Jeffrey Wilson last week and 14 Davis Price carries are gone he's going to get 20 plus he's not valued in the RB2 range right now on Fantasy Pros and I've got him as an RB2. I don't care anything about the Denver Broncos defense. I'm all on uh, Jeffrey Wilson Jr. And I know, Jake, you're you're looking like you full-on agree with me. Oh, always do. Uh, yeah, Jeffrey Wilson, top 20 range and top 20 range again this week for me. I'll throw out a bonus one real quick. <laughs> uh, get the cereal ready. 
Ezekiel uh-huh. versus the Giants because look, it's not just the fact that it's just, I think two things are happening here. One is, can we get some word on Leonard Williams? Like the dude sprains his MCL and everybody's just like, oh, the last update we have is like from three days ago. That's a significant factor for the Giants defense, but I think the Giants defense is also getting overlooked because the two games have been kind of grinders. But Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey did have, they had zero problems running the ball. It's just they haven't let up a touchdown yet, which is just freak. Wise. Like, Dontrell Hill, you got the two receiving ones. I think Zeke's fine this week as an RB2. I think people are panicking too much on him so far. You don't know, like Pollard a little bit? I, there's something about Pollard in this matchup, but if they want to pound oh the ball, God. it's going to be Elliott. It's, it's just... Who did, I, this is how it became a joke last year. We've been doing Pollard for three damn years. Like Pollard, just put him in the Hall of Fame with Marlon Mack and who else? We could put uh, Darrell Green Beckham and Jeff Janice and all these jokers in the freaking Hall of Fame forever. You better, you better hope Pollard doesn't outscore Ellie. I'm going to mark this down. I'm I marking mean, this down. He'll, he'll have a fine game, too. It's just that people mm. act like he's 10 times better than Ezekiel Elliott. He's pretty what good. were you going to say, Faustin? Sorry to cut you off. I just, I, no, you know I, how just, I, feel about I knew the Pollard that was, was going to be a trigger. That's why I was kind of laughing. Like, <laughs> there's, some, there's something about Pollard. It's kind of like it could be, you know. All you, here's the perfect example. All you need to know is I was sitting here when this happened. It was like week five, six, or seven, somewhere around there. And Zeke got stuffed. And I said Pollard would have scored that. As a joke, because everybody was praising the living hell out of Tony Pollard and the change needed to happen and bench Ezekiel Elliott and all this type of stuff. And then as the game went on, I kept tweeting stuff and I was like, Pollard would have ran that for 20 yards. Pollard would have did. And here's what I'm saying is 50% of the people thought I was serious. Like, that's all you need to know about Tony Pollard. On the wide receivers, let's move over. Wide receivers you're uh, sleeping on, sleeper, or everyone else is sleeping on, sleepers to perform this week. We've got multiple names here. Didn't do it on the running backs, but we've got it here. So, Jake, let's kick it off with you. Where are people sleeping on wide receivers this week? I already mentioned Russell Gage, so I'll go back to Russell Gage. I think he's in the same conversation as Jacoby Myers. Non-PPR, not super excited about it. Uh, Alan Lazard caught his touchdown. I don't understand why people are still like hesitant on Alan Lazard. It's clear the rest of the wide receivers are basically what the Giants are doing in this rotation mess of like, you know, okay, the Giants have Sterling Shepard kind of leading the way, but it's just kind of like a mess. Well, the same situation as Alan Lazard is leading the way, and then it's a mess. Christian Watson got bumped all the way down to fifth with Sammy Watkins and Lazard out there, and then Dubs and or Dobbs and Cobb are kind of offsetting each other. So who's the one? It's Alan Lazard. Like, I don't understand why people don't want to start him. This is the flyer one. I, I I don't say everybody who drafted Darnell Mooney needs to start him. Mm-hmm. But if you want to give him one more chance, here's what I'm looking at. The first two weeks, tough matchups. First two weeks, not a lot of passing, too. And I'm hoping Justin Fields attempts more than 11 passes. But the Houston Texans are trash in the secondary. have already given up 10 plays, the most in the league, of 20-plus receiving yards on a play. What is Darnell Mooney's game? Justin Fields hits him for one, two, or three you know, reception so it probably takes what four or five targets which is still probably asking a lot but if i wanted to give him one more chance and i was looking for the upside i would give darnell mooney one more chance who would you well i guess i should <laughs> i was just about to get i was, <laughs> I was just you're about, about to get checked the link a check the link i was 100 <laughs> percent gonna do it but i feel like i could do this on the show i was gonna say darnell mooney or russell gage i could go look myself but let me just hear from you <laughs> who would you start this week russell gage or darnell mooney well, this is where context comes into play, though, too. So you could check the rankings. But yeah, this is a fair question to ask because Darnell Mooney is if you, you need the upside and you're willing to risk a zero. 
Russell Gage is the floor. If you want to guarantee you're going to get five, six, seven points, you play Russell Gage. If you need the upside, depending on your roster. And for everybody out there, depending on your roster, don't look at your matchup. Don't look at what the projections on whatever site you play on say your team is going to evaluate your team for yourself. That's what you need to evaluate. Too many people make that. I'm trying to be nice. Like, I'm not trying to like talk down there or anything, and even though it sounds like it, but the people make that mistake way too often. Oh, I'm projected to score 170, and this person scores. So I'm going to do. No, look at your roster and evaluate it on your own. And if you feel you need that upside, go Darnell Mooney. If not, just play Russell Gage in the safe play. Yeah, that's a great breakdown. And so glad I didn't get check the link, too. I was just, that <laughs> no, would have been a didn't. great moment. Check the link. All right, Brandon, same thing for you. Uh, wide receivers that are getting slept on this week that you are buying into. Uh, well, I have Amari Cooper at 22, and I think his ECR was 30 when I checked earlier before this. Uh, I don't understand why. I mean, he looked great last week. Uh, there was the narrative out week there that, <laughs> that week one. Oh, that's telling looked, you why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That he was wide open and that they just weren't throwing him the ball and that they made a concerted effort to give him the ball. And it went over 100 yards. So now you get Pittsburgh, who has allowed the second most receiver yards so far this year. So I don't know why he's not, you know, at least on that on the bubble of the wide receiver two in the rankings. And maybe he'll get there. But, you know, we got a, we got a limited amount of time for him to get there uh, since he's playing on Thursday night. I also uh, I also like Devonta Smith, another guy who had a bad week one, four targets. Did not have a catch. Watched him last week. He looked great. He had the 80 yards, led the team in receiving yards. Um, brings something different, but, you know, he's going up against the, the commanders who have also been a fairly generous secondary as well. So I feel like now he's he's online. You know, A.J. Brown is still the guy that we're leaning on in this passing, but I think Devontae Smith is going to be a very serviceable compliment to him as well. And then uh, my last guy is – Jacoby Myers, who had 13 targets last week, follow the volume um, and follow a team that is going up against the Ravens that just gave up an ungodly amount of production to Tyreek Hill and to Jalen Waddle. And obviously, Jacoby Myers is nowhere near their talent, but New England's going to be able to throw the ball. And Jacoby Meyer, from where he's ranked, I think he should, you know, I have him ranked as a wide receiver three this week. And I think he's uh, comfortably outside that in the rankings. Uh, the two, uh, I've got three guys here. Two are kind of bigger names. The first one is going to be one that it, this is more about just me liking this guy more than anybody else. But I think due to all of the waiver wire chaos of this week, he's probably going to have an insanely high start percentage. Just Garrett Wilson. And it's for obvious reasons. Joe Flacco loves Garrett Wilson. Joe Flacco is still the quarterback. That's math. There you go. Equals. And Joe Flacco plus Garrett Wilson equals start. That's what I'm going to do until I'll be probably a little tentative with Zach Wilson, but Got Gary Wilson very high. Chris Olave, obviously worried about Winston, but the air yards, the A dot, the way he's going to break away. There's going to be a big breakaway play for a touchdown in the coming weeks. I'm hoping it's this week. I've got Olave pretty high. And the one I've got that's um, a lower name, it's Doolin uh, in Indianapolis. Obviously, Pittman is still a little bit questioned. Look like he's trending in the right direction, but they're going to be playing from behind. And unfortunately for all of us, we're going to have to watch. Matt Ryan throwing the ball a whole bunch. And Doolin seems to be one of those favorite targets through the first couple weeks. So Pittman's going to take away from this. But I think Doolin is one of those deeper league guys that I think you can get back out there simply because this team is going to have to be flinging the ball. I don't have full-on trust that they're going to. I mean, I think the smart play would be figure out how to get Hines and Jonathan Taylor the ball maybe every other play. They just don't do that, whether it's you know screen passes or whatever it has to be. So they're going to move the ball downfield. And when they do... Dylan's been getting open. He's been 
you know, put in a pretty good spot. So I really like him this week. Uh, it's a much, much deeper play, deeper than, you know, Mooney and stuff like that. But if you needed uh, something out of desperation, I think you can go in that spot. And I like him quite a bit. This is always an interesting one. I, I really like this one because of the conversation it can bring up. And Brandon, let's start with you. Players that are making you think twice. And this can be in any capacity, positive or negative, or in my case, where you're just kind of sitting here and you're going, uh, I don't know what to do sometimes with these guys. So who's a player that's making you think twice for week three? DJ Moore, because he's kind of been in that circle of trust that it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is. And, you know, you just play him, you set him and forget him. But here we are, two weeks of Baker Mayfield, two, two lines of three catches, 43 yards. Yes, he had a touchdown last week. But you have the New Orleans Saints this week, and, you know, just I have the fresh memory of, of the Saints making look Tom Brady look awful last week, just awful. Um, and I have Baker Mayfield ranked as my 32nd quarterback this week. So if, I, if I'm if i that down on Baker Mayfield this week, can I be that high on DJ Moore? So I, I'm not. I have him outside my wide receiver two range right now. It, you know, I, I have him in a couple of leagues, and I'm playing him, but he's certainly making me think twice. <laughs> that makes me laugh. Uh, Jake, same thing. A uh, player that's making you think twice, positive, negative, however you got it. <laughs> Negatively for both of these, but one is a player and the other one is a team. <laughs> so with mine is Cordell Patterson, mostly because I don't like the fact that, and I like Tyler Algier. I just don't like the fact that all of a sudden the Cordell Patterson got like 50% of his touches taken away, even though, and I say that I like Algier, I'll admittedly say that even liking Algier, he did not look good in that game. And yet they still gave about 50% of those touches to Cordell Patterson after what he did in week one. Maybe that swings back and they say, well, why are we going to mess with this again after we saw week one and two? But I don't love the feeling of you want Cordell Patterson to be in that 14, 15 touch range. So a little bit concerned there. And also not worried. Or I am worried that the touches might not come in that game as a whole because of how that game might go. Uh, the other is the Jaguars, like the, the entire Jaguars team. And this is why I say this. This is somebody that proponent of Trevor Lawrence, proponent of James Robinson, ETN, Christian Kirk, hammering Christian Kirk of what for the past month and a half. Yep. But this is a bad matchup. And this is one where uh, I'll give you the comparison as somebody in the ranks. You, you talked about the comments. Somebody said, all oh, this disrespect for the Chargers defense. Like, well, look. Fantasy defense and real life defense are completely two different things. You can have the best defense in the world, but for fantasy purposes, it doesn't mean a lick because you're too good. Unless you get a shutout, which rarely happens, you're just not going to produce a lot in fantasy unless you're getting volatility with turnovers or facing somebody like a Carson Wentz. So in this situation, I think Travis Etienne, James Robinson are both riskier than normal. Trevor Lawrence is too smart, and he's not throwing a lot of turnovers. So I think the Chargers, as a fantasy defense, are middle of the road. Uh, but for their true life defense is why I'm concerned that the, the Jaguars offense could be stolted, uh, uh, halted this week, and Christian Kirk might not see that top 15 value like he has been seeing. But still a pretty dang good option in Christian Kirk. You know, working out of the slot like he is and being the number one wide receiver gets you hope right. at but least. But see, where Christian Kirk was going, you might have three better options this one specific week. Still maybe not likely, but you might have just because of how he was drafted. That's a good point. You know what I miss? I miss the, what was it, like early last year or maybe the year before the where Cordell Patterson was like used in all facets of the game. He's become just solely this running back who doesn't, like we would have those weeks where he was such a cheat code against the books if you were making prop bets where it was like they didn't really know what to do with the rushing and the receiving, so it would always be like 30 yards every week. And then you would just yeah. smash both and you would get them. That 
that Patterson doesn't exist anymore, and I don't understand why they've moved like, away what, from that. You know what happened last week? Zero receptions. That's what yeah. they went to the end of the season, Cordero Patterson, and they're facing Funston Seahawks, which are going to grind this game. Uh, yeah, we're, we're opening the kitchen up for Geno. Yeah, sure, whatever. The hell, the point is, this Seattle Atlanta game is probably going to end up taking two hours to finish, and then and it's not going to be a lot of plays on either side. Yeah, it, it's odd. Uh, the guy I've got this week, it's more of a conundrum, I think, moving forward with him, and it's CD Lamb. And I know it's CD Lamb, and you guys can think, okay, this is him. But for, as far as the ranks go, Rankers have completely moved off of CD Lamb more than obviously he's not the elite, elite option, but he's outside the top 20 even this week. Yet his targets mirrored week one. He had he's had 11 targets in two straight games, caught seven balls, 75 yards is fine. Cooper Rush was serviceable in this offense. They also did the thing that you were really, really hoping they would do. I was hoping they would do is they would find any way to get the ball in his hands. They gave him a carry, work some end arounds. Be more creative. Get the ball in your best player's hands. Yet the ranks and the sentiment around him don't really seem like they match up as far as like, you know, okay, we got an answer of where Cooper Rush did with his offense. We saw how much they targeted him, yet he's still plummeting down in ranks. And I'm not really sure how to move forward outside of like, and he's a wide receiver too. You know, I don't have to worry about not ranking him, but, you know, he might be a, he might be a trade value. Uh, Brandon, do you think, Lamb is someone you would try to go out and trade with all the negative quarterback stuff around him since his cost is so low. Um, yeah, I mean, again, that's that's a context question on what what are people asking for. Um, you know, so do I, I? I think my value, if I'm ranking him right now, is probably back end top twenty still. But I think I had him top twelve going in, so he's dropped at least a half a round uh, in value in my mind. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. Just it kind of depends. I would say I value him right around right around the back end of the top I mean, twenty wide receivers. Jake, we're gonna get Dak back. They're getting him. They're getting him touches. Do you think CD Lamb is someone to try to go buy on right now, low? You can buy low on him, but uh, I would say getting him touches. No, they're getting targets. They're getting him opportunities. The touches yeah. aren't guaranteed. And the thing is, is he's facing a Dory Jackson this week. Unless the Giants pulled Dory Jackson last week, where he went for the second best wide receiver and Robbie Anderson to shut him down. And DJ Moore got his touchdown, as you mentioned. Uh, if Dory Jackson's on CeeDee Lamb, which would seem to be the logical process here because are you really afraid of Noah Brown? Michael Gallup, if he plays, is going to be on a pitch count. I just, I, I can't, the ceiling is still there, which is the respect of who CeeDee Lamb is and the respect of what his ceiling could be if he sees 11 targets and can haul in half of them is why he's even 26 for me. Otherwise, again, strip the name off the jersey and... He shouldn't be even inside the top 30. Granted, that's the talent, which is why the name is on the jersey. Uh, I just I think he's in the conversation right now for DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, similar situations, similar worries. And I mean, heck, you could bench DK Metcalf and CD Lamb this week if you wanted to. Who'd you rather have rest of the season, uh, CD Lamb or Lamb. DJ Moore? Okay. Lamb, because he's got <laughs> Dak coming back. So Brandon, same thing. You agree? Yeah, well, I was just I was looking up Alex Cork Corf's uh, trade uh, valuation chart right now to see where CD Lamb lands, and it's kind of if you're like flipping him for a running back, he's somewhere between James Conner and Miles Sanders. So that's kind of like yeah. the range he's at. AJ Dillon's right there as well, and I was gonna throw out AJ Dillon as maybe like a decent challenge trade at this point. Would you if you wanted to try to you know go for some upside at wide receiver? Would you be willing to trade an AJ Dillon? And mm. honestly, I think I'm keeping the running back. Yeah, you can keep the running back as well. Quick tight end one, and then we might get to one debate here. How tight 
Can you make that end this week? We'll go, Jake, Mr. Jake Seeley, how tight is that end? <laughs> I think you can go a little bit deeper for streamers this week. Uh, I'm going against Baltimore and that trash secondary, mostly because there's so many people hurt. That's the biggest thing. And not that I think Hunter Henry is going to yank down a pass that was intended for the stands like Mike Kosicki did, but the vulnerability for this, the Ravens defense was already set up as vulnerable for the middle of the field as a tight end in past years, even when, when everybody was healthy, that's where that's the one area you could target them was with like slot and tight ends. Now they have zero options because all the corners and safeties, all these guys are getting hurt. So I think if you're looking for a sneaky is Hunter Henry this week for the Patriots. Okay, Brandon, how tight is that in for you this week? Yeah, I'll follow the volume. I'll say Tyler Conklin, who is actually fourth among tight ends in targets. We're assuming C.J. Uzama is not going to be back against his old team this week, the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals haven't been great against tight ends so far. So uh, I think, you know, we look at, at Conklin, and, and Jake talked about Joe Flacco just throwing and throwing and throwing, and, he, and it's resulted in nine targets and seven targets back-to-back for Conklin. So – uh, I think this is a decent flyer play for a tight end as He's well. He's also top 10 in routes run for tight ends. So yeah. there you go. Final round. Ra- route <laughs> Skipping <laughs> ahead. <laughs> and uh, we had a couple debates in here. Pretty interesting ones. But the most interesting to me is this Michael Carter versus Brees Hall situation as far as ranks go. Uh, I think the ranks might have adjusted a little bit. But as I was going through and piecing together uh, Brandon and Jake's ranks, one of the things that stood out to me, at least at the time, was the difference you guys had on the Jets running backs where Brandon was Team Brees, Jake was Team Michael Carter. I think this kind of speaks also of maybe this E.T. and James Robinson situation. So, um, Brandon, let's start with you real quick as far as Michael Carter versus Brees Hall this week. I know you said you think you, you said you made an adjustment. I don't know if you moved Michael Carter above Brees. I still see on the rank before, but I might need to refresh it. Uh, no, I'm still, I'm still, a, I actually a spot ahead on Brees Hall over Michael Carter. And I think okay. these guys, these guys are basically playing a pretty even split. I mean, first week it was, it looked like it was Michael Carter, you know, clearly in the lead last week, you know, at least in terms of production um, and, and a little bit more, a little bit more on the ground for Brees Hall. Uh, I just, you know, I'm thinking about this, just kind of logically going long-term and as the season progresses, well, Brees Hall had a really decent game, solid game last week. He's a first-round running back, which is a rarity these days. And Michael Carter was good, but the Jets went out and said, we want to get a guy that we can have as a lead. So we're, we're week three. Brees Hall looked good. Are we going to can see a continuation of the Brees Hall evolving into a bigger role? I think it's completely plausible and i'm kind of hedging my bet on the fact that you know Brees Hall looked good last week okay maybe they're gonna carve out even a little bit more for him this week jake you have michael carter inside your top 30 where uh Brees isn't that much further it's more like high end flex versus low end flex i think that's a little bit different where brandon has them both kind of clumped together on the low end flex you are more team michael carter who got more of the snap so talk to me about carter versus Brees hall yeah, I'm also somebody that says buy Brees Hall now before the shift continues to move along. But even last week, 60% of the snaps for Michael Carter, 25 for Brees Hall. And yeah, they both had seven carries. But at the same time, if you want to talk about snap percentage for passing game, 65, 47, and 26, that's 26 to, to eight. And all the passing game, all of it 
is going to Michael Carter. And that's why right now. So if this was the Atlanta Falcons and a game where I actually think the Jets could run down the clock, they'd probably be neck and neck and I would lean Brace Hall. But I'm going to compare this to James Robinson, ETN, Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, all these type of ones where if I'm looking for how the game is shaping up to be, I expect more passing. And because Joe Flacco, it's Joe Flacco's at quarterback. I expect this game to be more passing for the Jets. And until those things shift where it's Zach Wilson and or a matchup where I think the Jets could run more, it's going to be Michael Carter, mostly because he is almost 90% of the passing game, third and long, third downs and stuff like that. So I think the shift is going to come. I do think Brees Hall will be the lead by the middle of the season, if not sooner, and that it'll be like a 60-40 split. I just don't think that starts against the Bengals. Lions sits at plus six for the Jets right now. I, I, I honestly think this is going to be a close game. And, you know, I think we're still, we're still, for a lot of people, thinking about the Cincinnati Bengals team as a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. They got some serious warts, and Jets Jets are terrible right now. They had a nice victory last week. Wait. So Welsh, did you did, wait, did you did you invite Salfino in to replace Funston all of a sudden? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what we're doing with the Jets here. There's no chance I'm there, there could be too much Salfino editing going on in my brain right now. <laughs> uh friends, if you guys want, go over to the Athletic if you're not already subscribed. Plenty of people listening obviously are, but if you're not, go and check out Jake's article for week three. There's some cake rankings. There's some full-on half PPR rankings. There's so much in there you can check out. So go and sign up today. Make sure you have those ranks to get you set. Uh, accuracy rankings, Jake, was uh, top 20 uh, this past week. So things are writing themselves. The world is writing itself. It finds a way, Jake. It finds a way. And you were back into the top end, so I know you're happy about that. So people go and check that out over at The Athletic. Sign up. And that is it for the show this week. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Find Jake on Twitter at AllInKid, Brandon Funson at Brandon Funson, and myself at IsItTheWelsh. We will talk to you next time, breaking down week three right here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Until then, see you, friends.